Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part one of our final broadcast teaching in the book of Exodus called Christ is the End of the Law. We're finishing up Exodus 20, so if you're able, would you stand with us for the reading of God's Word, picking up the text in Exodus 20, verse 18, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. All the people, Exodus 20, 18, perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But let not God speak to us or we will die. 20. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, you yourselves have seen that I've spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods besides me gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. You shall make an altar of earth for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. And I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build, not build it of cut stones, for if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And you shall not go up by my steps to my altar so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. Father, thank you for your living word. Would you give us understanding? Would you help us to have soft hearts to your voice? We want to hear your voice. And you have spoken through your word and you've spoken through your son in these last days. And we want to know your voice, the voice of our shepherd and follow you. May you be pleased with the way we divide the text and the way we respond to it. May you be glorified. May you encourage faith in this room. May you bless those who are watching via live stream. And would you be glorified in our midst, Father? That's our prayer. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Christ is the end of the law. This is a communion Sunday, so we'll be taking the Lord's Supper at the end of the message We pick it up at verse 18 with a link to the Ten Commandments. We've just seen the final commandment in verse 17, that of coveting. And all the people, we come back now to the scenes of Sinai, which were happening all along. All the people perceived, Exodus 20, verse 18. If you have an ESV, they saw, the New King James says, they witnessed the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Now, this idea of standing at a distance will be repeated in verse 21. The idea of worship, just in a general definition, worship speaks of worthiness, the worthiness of God to be worshiped. But worship literally means to draw near. We draw near to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that the people are standing at a distance Now, in Exodus 19, God told Moses, I want you to put boundaries up. I don't want anybody to cross the boundaries or even touch the mountain lest they die. This was the holiness of God 
on display. Remember, God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But the displays that you're seeing of what's called theophany by scholars are associated signs of God's presence. Lightning, thunder, smoke, power, trumpet blasting. The, uh, we find out in other scriptures that the law was given among myriads of angels and angels shine with the glory of God. So this incredible scene. And the people didn't really need the warning because they were backpedaling at the awesome display of power that they saw up on the mountain. God had come down. He had descended on the mountain in mighty power. And, you know, many people today, many of our modern minds don't understand that this is who God is. Our God, the end of Hebrews 12 says, is a consuming fire. Hebrews 10.31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This notion that God is some bearded old man at a desk up somewhere in the yonder heavens is just not what the Bible teaches. Our God is awesome in power. That's why when you read God creating the world, the world by the word of his power, God saying, let there be light and there was light, this is the being that we are dealing with here. The mighty God of the universe. The God who holds the universe together by the word of his power. Not only did he make it, he holds it together. Spurgeon believed that Sinai was a scene of a foretaste of what the world is going to experience at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, called the day of the Lord. These signs will be seen at the final judgment. That is lightning and thunder and power. In fact, people are depicted in Revelation 6 as saying something like this, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb for the day, the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? I think that's Revelation 6, 17. And so they're going to be hiding in the caves and the rock from the splendor of this God. And this is the God that many people say, I just wish that God would come down and speak to us. Well, God has spoken. But I'm not sure that most people understand that without Jesus Christ's mediating ministry, this is the God that people will face without Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews draws this imagery of two mountains. One is Sinai, one is Zion. And he says, you've not come to this mountain that's quaking and filled with all these incredible signs of judgment. You've come to Zion, to the, the mountain of God, to the city of uh, angels and, and, and righteous men made perfect by the blood of the Lamb. So we do have a choice which way we want to go. Do we want to face the God of law or the God of grace? <laughs> I'll take all the grace that I can get, especially in light of this scene, Amen. Nobody's going to come up to the God of the Bible and have a conversation about all their questions that they had. Let me tell you something, God. It's just going to be one, and that's it. It's over, right? So this is the scene, and the people of God are backpedaling. They are trembling, look at the verse, and standing at a distance. That's the end of verse 18, with all of these sounds and uh, manifestations one writer says it this way. He says, by the time he was finishing, finished God, giving the law, that is God, the precautions of bar boundaries or the uh, not crossing over the boundaries hardly seemed necessary. No one wanted to go even near 
to these manifestations. And they're going to say to Moses, you talk to him and tell us what he says. We don't, we don't want to talk to him, right? You go first. Remember the famous scene in the Indiana Jones movie? They finally have dug up the place where the Ark of the Covenant is and Indiana's with his sidekick and they look down and the floor seems to be moving. And he says to Indiana, asps, very dangerous, you go first. <laughs> and you know how much, if you are a fan of Indiana Jones, how much he loves snakes, right? He hated snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Well, here the people are saying, you go first. You go talk to him. It's too loud. It's too much. We can't handle it. And whenever the uh, voice of God is depicted, especially in judgment passages, it has the idea of ear-deafening noise sensory overload. These signs will reappear at the final judgment, but here they are prophetic of the day of judgment. And just a few, I I could give you five pages of verses right now, but I'm just going to give you just a few. Elijah, 1 Kings 19.8, arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights, 1 Kings 19. I'm reading beginning in verse 8. He went 40 days, 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. That's going to be also known as Sinai, same mountain. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The the, uh, sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. And so he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing wind. Now, there are people that will say that God was not found in all the uh, judgment manifestations, but he was found in a still, small voice or in a gentle, blowing wind. And there's a case to be made that when the Lord wants to lead us, his voice is gentle. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, there will be a voice behind you speaking into your ear, telling you whether to go to the left or to the right. But any judgment passages that I can find in my Bible that have to do with the voice of God depict the voice of God as ear-shattering, thunderous, a tumult of waters. Just a sampling. Psalm 18, 13 says, The Lord also thundered in the heavens. The Most High uttered His voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered them, lightning flashes in abundance and routed them. The channels of water appeared and the foundations of the world were laid bare at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. Psalm 46 uh, verse 5 says, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He, God, raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Psalm 68.33 says, To him who rides upon the highest heavens, which are from ancient times, behold, he speaks forth with his voice, a mighty voice. Uh, Back in uh, Jeremiah 10, verse 10, The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Resurrection Sunday is almost here. Moving through the book of Matthew, talking about the kingdom of God and anxiety and how to overcome it in the words of Jesus. Pastor Michael Lance has invited you to celebrate Easter at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Early risers can come to the first service at 6 a.m. Just bring a chair and a blanket, maybe a carafe of coffee or whatever you need, and we'll be celebrating the Lord early in the morning as the sun comes up. Visit Living Truth Christian Fellowship on Easter Sunday for the 6 a.m. sunrise service, the 8.30 service, 10.30 service, or for the Spanish-speaking service at 1 p.m. Remember, you can always tune into our YouTube channel if you are not available to join us live or locally, we have a YouTube channel and you can get to it at walkintruth.com. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. Download the Living Truth app for more information or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's the Living Truth app or call 844-48-TRUTH. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. Our fiscal year ends March 31st, and thanks to many listeners like you, we're getting closer to our goal of having 50% of our budget supported. What we really need is more monthly partners so that when we reach that goal, the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come by at least that much. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. To him who rides upon the highest heavens, which are from ancient times, behold, he speaks forth with his voice a mighty voice. Uh, back in uh, Jeremiah 10, verse 10, the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. And his wrath, at his wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Verse 13, Jeremiah 10. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for rain, for the rain, brings out the wind from his storehouses. Jeremiah 25, 29 says, The Lord will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. Verses in the book of Joel talk about God, his thunderous voice, and that he roars from Zion like a mighty lion. And all God's people said, Yeah. This is who our God is. Powerful and mighty. Awesome is his name. And the people of Israel, when they see how powerful God is, they sense their need for mediation. They know they need a mediator, and that is the point. Moses becomes a type of Christ, the ultimate mediator. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. That is the man or the God-man, Christ Jesus. First Timothy 2.5, right? 
So Moses is now going to mediate for the people, and this is going to speak to us about the gospel. So they said to Moses, 19, speak to us yourself. You speak to us, another version has it, and the you is emphatic. We want to hear from you. Please tell God, don't speak anymore. And we will listen, but let not God speak to us lest we die. As I mentioned earlier, I don't think the modern mind understands God to be this way. If we were to stand before this God without mediation, without being found in the covering of the righteousness of Christ, we're in deep trouble. We just studied the Ten Commandments. We studied their depth. We studied how they have to do with matters, not just of external behavior, matters of the heart. We talked about how it judges the thoughts and intents of our mind, what we fail to do. Just one of the commandments puts me in the dust before God, amen? Let alone 10 of them. The law is a tutor, a schoolmaster to drive me to the foot of the cross at Calvary, to to stand under the shed blood of Jesus, to know I need help, I need mediation. Ray Comfort puts it this way. He's evangelizing out in the streets and he says, we gotta give law to the proud and grace to the humble. Because there are many people in our culture who are going to end up separated from God because they suffer from an endemic disease called good person syndrome. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You talk to people and they will say, well, I'm a good person. I I haven't murdered anybody yet. (laughs) I haven't, you know. And they'll, they'll begin to talk about their goodness, but they don't understand the depth of the law. All of us have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And without mediation, we're in deep trouble. Because we're going to face this God of Sinai without that help. But the good news is that help has come. But they sense their need. I think they sense already that they can't keep the commandments, haven't kept the commandments, probably won't be able to keep the commandments. And they also sense the holiness of God. Lest we die. That's the end of verse 19. 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 6 puts it this way. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And they can understand. They're fearful. And Moses said to the people, look at 20. Don't be afraid. God has come in order to test you. That's the Hebrew word nasa, N-A-S-A. God had tested them at the waters of Meribah. He tested them in the giving of the manna, whether they would walk in his command just to pick up one day's worth of manna, one day at a time, except for the Sabbath. Um, Genesis 22.1 says God tested Abraham. And he, he says he's come to test you. Don't be afraid. In order that the fear of him, of God, may remain with you so that you what? that you may not sin. Essentially, Moses says, let this day be etched forever in your mind. And who could forget this scene? If you were standing at the bottom of this mountain, could you ever forget this scene? How many of you can remember the first time you really understood the holiness of God and how sinful you really are? Can you remember the first time that you realized why you need a Savior? Not just for life improvement, not just because, you know, uh, Jesus can help you out a little bit. No, you need a savior. And Moses is saying to the people, look, from this day forward, understand that anytime you're tempted to sin against this God, let the fear of him keep you from sin. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, 4, and 5. 
The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire while I was standing between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. Deuteronomy 5, 4, and 5. Let this fear of God, it's a good thing. Let it keep you from sin. Now, you all know that there's verses all over the Bible that say the fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of knowledge, Right? The fear of the Lord is a good thing. And let me just say that while people will tell you today that the fear of the Lord just simply means that you need to respect and reverence God, I agree, that's part of it. But the fear of the Lord includes the fear of judgment. Amen? In fact, I will tell you that fear will keep you from doing a lot of dumb things. Now, you're driving in your car, and maybe you're exceeding the speed limit, and all of a sudden you see an officer representing the law nearby. What do you normally do? You slow down. Why? For fear of getting a ticket, and then having to explain the ticket to your significant other, in most of your cases, right? What were you doing? What were you thinking, right? Just that car alone, or the siren, or the lights is enough. That's what Sinai is intended to do. It's to show you your need for mediation or the gospel, but also to keep you from sinning against this holy God. You've been listening to Christ is the End of the Law, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20, 18 through 26. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Maybe these Ten Commandment teachings are bringing up some feelings you need to let out, or perhaps you have more questions. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, the Bible says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's the good news, is that... The law is indeed a schoolmaster, a tutor to drive us to Christ. We need a Savior, and the law reveals our need for a Savior. I'm specifically referring to the Ten Commandments here that we're moving through right here on Walk in Truth. Maybe you're a brand new believer. Maybe you've been hearing the commandments. Maybe you're just new to uh, the things of God, the Bible, and you're like, well, what do I do with this? How do I... Uh, apply these teachings. Well, number one, let the law, let the commandments drive you to Christ. That's the point. Christ is the end of the law. And that is he fulfilled the law. He lived the perfect life that we could never live, died on the cross, took God's wrath for us. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, and King, um, that's the first thing you need to do is repent of your sin and trust in him. You know, God so loved you, my friend. He sent his one and only son, his perfect lamb, to die for us. We're about to celebrate Passover and, you know, move into the Feast of First Fruits and all these things connected to what we know as Easter here, largely in the United States. And it's all about God's lamb coming, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Is he your Messiah Is he your uh, savior, your God, your king? Well, 
If you repent of your sin, my friend, and trust in him, salvation is the gift of God. It's not something that we do by works. It's not something we earn or even deserve. God grants it as a gift. We receive it by faith. And if that's you, and and you've been putting this off, or maybe you've been thinking hard about you know, your spiritual standing, your relationship to God, now is the time. Today is the acceptable day. Don't wait. You don't know what a day will bring. Something like this. Pray it if it's you, and keep your eyes open if you're driving. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into this world to die on that cross for me. Thank you for taking the punishment, the wrath of God at that cross. I don't fully understand it all, but I know you did it. I believe that you not only died for my sin, but you rose from the dead. And you showed that you are the one you claim to be, God in human flesh by the resurrection. I trust you as my King, my Lord, my Savior. Please forgive me, make me your child, and teach me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need to rededicate your life, this would be a great time to do some business with our God and come on home, come back home. If we can help you in any way, or if we can celebrate with you a first-time commitment to Christ, send us a note at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com, and we'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of our final broadcast teaching in the book of Exodus. This is Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20, verses 18 through 26, called Christ is the end of the law. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.